If you haven't walked in the shoes of, of someone struggling with mental health issues or substance misuse, you often may not have a clue. I think many of us love someone who really is struggling in those spaces. so grateful to our next guest. Gary Sanford brings a wealth of knowledge to a critical issue facing Colorado and so many other states around the country. Gary has more than three decades of experience regarding people experiencing homelessness, and he currently serves as a director of community engagement with the Caring for Denver Foundation. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, the foundation oversees the distribution of Denver's voter-approved sales tax of one quarter of 1% which is designated to be used to increase mental health and substance use disorder prevention, treatment, recovery services, and all things around that in Denver. So I'm Laura Love, and along with my colleague, Jim Licko, we welcome you to the Good and Grounded podcast, Gary. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, great to see you, Gary. Um, you've been involved with so many different initiatives surrounding this these particular issues for, for 30 years of your career. One thing as I reviewed your background that stands out to me is when you served as an advisor on homeless initiatives for then Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper, you were instrumental in the development of Colorado's first statewide plan to address homelessness. I'm curious, what, what did you learn from that experience and how did that shape your work and perspective that you, that you have today? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Jim. Um, part of the work uh, in Governor Hickenlooper's office was really working with different regions around the state of Colorado. Um, at that time, folks looked at homelessness as being an urban issue, not so much rural or suburban. And so some of the work was really, um, we worked with five different regions across the state that were largely rural, and we interviewed folks who were experiencing homelessness. Um, and I think one of the takeaways for me is that it really is, um, to find the solutions, it's really gotta be a regional approach for one city to try to address this issue and successfully end homelessness, very difficult. You've got an inflow and outflow of folks. So certainly the lesson learned for me was kind of regional collaboration and partnerships. It's more efficient and right hand, left hand kind of being on the same page. It was a great opportunity to work with many of the rural communities who are now really uh, building um, housing for the populations based on some of these assessments we did. So fast forward many years to where you are today at the Caring for Denver Foundation. It's such an interesting concept, and I know I obviously shared with the listeners how it works, but I probably did not do it the justice it deserves. So can you share a little bit about how this foundation was set up and the purpose? Yes, absolutely. Um, it was really spearheaded by Representative Leslie Harrod, and there was an ordinance that was placed on the Denver ballot, as you mentioned earlier, Laura, to set aside some percent of sales tax, specifically to go into services to address mental health and substance misuse in the city and county of Denver. And so we consider ourselves um, really community oriented. We really believe that the community really are the experts. And so we're looking for community informed solutions. And so many of our grantees are doing innovative things from using the arts to connect with people, engaging folks with lived experience to be paid peer positions to engage folks, to really um, reaching people in some ways through culture, 
community and neighborhood. And so we really see ourselves informed by community, driven by community, and continually listening to community. And I think that makes us pretty unique uh, as you look across the, the foundation spectrum. God, I can't even imagine. We run a really small, tiny, tiny foundation, and it's so hard to make decisions because there's so many good nonprofits and work out there. I have to wonder, how do you and your team make that decision? Like, who wins? Who loses? Yeah, it's it's not an easy decision. It's um, and we always have more requests than we have money. Um, and so I will say that we work closely, you know, with applicants and community members to understand what we're looking for. Um, but at the end of the day, the board of directors certainly has some tough decisions to make based on staff recommendations. And there's always more need than what we'll ever be able to fund. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, and it's an issue that, of course, you know has been around for years in Denver and obviously beyond Denver, but I know you've been with Caring for Denver Foundation now for two years, and I'm guessing most of that time has been extraordinary when it comes to the issue of, of substance misuse and the unhoused, particularly as it relates to at-risk populations since the onset of the pandemic. How as a community do we continue to address these challenges? It's very individualized how it manifests for folks, and I think for us, it's really important to look at how can services really fit and meet people where they are, which is sometimes quite challenging because one size doesn't fit all. And so we're really focused on how do we get out there? How do we show up? And how do we really work with providers and community members to kind of find the right uh, solutions that fit for a variety of folks? We've talked to experts in the mental health field, specifically for adolescents. So are you finding that that is a service that's in higher demand since the pandemic or has it stayed about the same? No, I absolutely would. Um, from you know, hearing from grantees and other folks in that space, certainly a much greater demand. Um, I think, you know, you also have to consider in our culture, in our society, talking about mental health and substance misuse, very, very difficult. And so, you know, again, we are talking about it now versus, you know, maybe five years ago, not talking about it as much as we are now. So these issues really have brought it to the surface. The need has always been there, whether we've uh, openly acknowledged or discussed it. But I think it's good to have people talking about it now and recognizing these are issues that affect everyone and how it impacts our mental health wellness um, is really significant in how we thrive and how we move through life. And so lots of uh, work needing to be done and the pandemic certainly added a lot of complications, particularly the in-person versus virtual uh, aspect of the work. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I think we're all experiencing at some level the mental health effects of being sheltered a little bit more than normal. Um, you transition into my next question really well. I know one of the things that's front and center with the foundation is advocating out loud as it's put on the website. Um, can you tell our listeners what that means and how it makes a difference when you're addressing these issues? Absolutely. Um, you know, we really are a believer in, in lifting up the voices of those who have lived experience. And so, you know, if you haven't walked in the shoes of, of someone struggling with mental health issues or substance misuse, you often may not have a clue. I think many of us love someone who really is struggling in those spaces, but often not having a good understanding of it. And so I think, again, um, really elevating those voices through storytelling. Um, we bring community in to help inform all of our call for proposals to make sure we've got it right. 
Um, we also bring in community to help with review and weighing in on the applications. Um, we, we are continually looking for the community to, to share its lessons, what it wants to see in the way of, of what needs to happen, what are the gaps. And so that community voice is very important for us, not only in our advocacy and education work, but also internally, how we're making decisions and, and how we've really set up and uh, run and operate the foundation. Community is significant for us. How do other states see the work we're doing here in Colorado? You know, it's been uh, very interesting having folks reach out to us. Um, and, you know, a lot of folks have heard about the STAR program, which was uh, something that we initially helped uh, fund the pilot. And so that's where um, instead of police officers responding to a crisis, there's a team of uh, mental health professional, EMT, that responds. That project has gotten lots of national attention. And so we have... Uh, particularly Larez Meinhold, the executive director, has spoken in a lot of different settings about that work. And then when we talk about the citizens approve this and have made these dollars possible to impact the residents of our city. And so a lot of communities have come to us asking, boy, how did you do it? And we've heard from some communities who are interested in trying something similar. So we do feel like we are... Um, kind of trailblazing as we think about this work and really getting resources specifically targeted to mental health substance misuse, because that often is very hard to find, particularly for our nonprofit agencies to bring in those resources to provide that level of service. Yeah, it's been really nice to see that sort of effort and that movement in our city, just how many more mental health professionals in our prison system out on the streets, you know, are being seen as frontline responders versus um, law enforcement. So thank you for your effort in that. Yeah, it's it's such a personalized issue, as you mentioned. How, for someone who's not as familiar with um, with these issues and the, and the core of these issues, why is it that community is so important with, with addressing the issue? You know, we, um, there's a couple pieces here. We did an extensive outreach in the fall of 2019 with community members. We wanted to hear from the community, you know, what's missing when you think about the services that are needed, um, what works and what doesn't work. Um, you know, and we heard loud and clear that the value of lived experience, because of the stigma surrounding these issues, folks are a little bit more comfortable with someone they know, someone who has walked in those shoes, someone who's been successful in addressing these issues. And when you think traditionally of some of these systems, uh, substance misuse, certainly AA, NA, and some of those uh, approaches and programs really do bring in the voice of the lived experience, but some of the other traditional providers, not as much. And so we heard a lot about that. We also heard a lot about the value of culture. Why is it that the mainstream providers are not tapping into culture where people come from, their neighborhoods, their family, as part of their healing? And so, you know, that being also a, a real important piece uh, that we've learned from community as well. And we understand that really community are the experts. This is what they're living every single day, how to get access to the services they need, whether they are a parent of a child who's struggling, whether you've got a sister who's struggling, whatever it might be, they know what it's like trying to get the services or trying to get access and absolutely looking at the cost, insurance, and some of those barriers sometimes for folks. So we really do see community as, as the experts in this space, and we do lean on them uh, to help guide our work. Shifting gears a little bit to a little bit more personal question for you, and from a more holistic standpoint as well, you're a certified yoga and meditation instructor, uh, I've read. How, how has that helped you survive the past 
18, 20 months. And, and, and does that transition to your leadership style at the foundation as well? Well, you know, for me personally, it's, it's been significant. You know, I, I think for a lot of us, um, we have a, lot of, a little bit of chatter in our head sometimes. And I think with all of the overwhelming information that comes to us from a lot of different sources, it only creates more anxiety. And so how do you shut that off, right? It's not an easy thing. And turn off all of your, your media sources and really try to get this, this chatter out of your head. And, and meditation and yoga are certainly work, works well for me in those spaces. I know for other people, it could be art, it could be music exercise and so forth. I think it's, it is important to unplug because boy, uh, not only the circumstances through the pandemic, but a lot of the news these days, anxiety provoking and a lot of uncertainty. So how we take care of ourselves, really, really important. And I think that shows up for us in the foundation as well. When we think about our colleagues and how we're working together, if we need to take space to really uh, tend to our own issues, that's real important. And I think for all of us too, we have family members. I know I've got uh, a couple family members struggling and I can use some of my teachings with them uh, particularly the meditation that sometimes helps uh, calm the mind and stop the chatter. So it's worked well for me. So Gary, we always love to wrap up these interviews with an action that our listeners could take if they want to get involved, if they're interested in this issue and they want to give back. Is there a place or somewhere that people could reach out if they wanted to get more involved in the work that you're doing? Yes, absolutely. Um, our website is uh, caring the number four denver.org. And you can go on the website and um, you can actually, if you have a story that you would like to share that we can share publicly to kind of help address stigma, help normalize some of these conversations, we're always looking for personal stories. And we're always interested in folks who would like to be helpful in just sharing ideas or being a part of a process and helping review applications. Um, those would be the two places. I think even, uh, even beyond that, how we talk about mental health and substance misuse and really being more intentional to um, talk publicly, particularly within our families, and really to try to address uh, stereotypes because there's a lot of stereotypes and stigma that's out there. And I think each of us can play a role in addressing and breaking down uh, some of those stereotypes. So I think all of those things we consider to be very helpful in our work. Well, I, I'm, I'm thankful for the work that you're doing, Gary, and, and uh, I'm thankful that I live in a community that has um, decided to put, you know, some some effort toward this and some funding toward this and, have, you know, passed uh, some funding that will be ongoing in that standpoint to, to continue addressing this issue. So thank you for, for taking the time. Thank you for the work that you do. And we'll definitely uh, encourage the listeners out there to get involved at whatever level they can in their own small communities. Great. Yes. Thanks for having me. And thanks for all the work that you all do. So great to hear from Gary. So great to hear what the community is doing from, from, you know, particularly a mental health and those experiencing homelessness standpoint. Um, I know that, you know, what Gary mentioned is, you know, talking about it and, and just normalizing mental health issues and that type of thing. And I guess the one cool thing that, that I've seen in the last week or two 
is that our city officials are actually doing something about this. Um, I'd read the Denver Sheriff's Office announced they're spending a million dollars to hire 12 psychologists, um, counselors and social workers and the like to, to help address mental health uh, issues 24 seven to help people in the city's jails who are experiencing mental health crisis. So uh, it's great to see IDEA put into action in that sense right here in our backyard uh, to, to start to, to help people out with the mental health issues they may be facing no matter where they are uh, and meet them in those places. So that's, that's my one cool thing and one takeaway um, from this episode. If you like what you heard, if you liked this episode, if you liked other episodes, um, be sure to subscribe, um, share the podcast with others. We are on Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, we're on Podbean and Spotify, pretty much wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, So find us, subscribe, share with your friends, and let's get out there and do some good in our Colorado communities. Thank you.